Welcome to the podcast, Fatherhood, Perspectives on Righteous, Intentional Parenting, where two guys discuss and explore the challenges of parenting. They share their experiences, ideas, and perspectives as they search for ways to be better sons, husbands, and dads. Here are the hosts, Joseph Winkle and Taylor Greenhall. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm great, Taylor. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. I've been looking forward to talking to you today. Me too. I've uh, been thinking about uh, our conversation today, and I had a really interesting experience come up on Saturday this weekend in all places in a Walmart parking lot, <laughs> probably somewhere most people have been. So my wife and I, uh, we decided to go to Walmart on Saturday afternoon, and we decided this would be our date for the week. That's how uh, our lives work. And as I got out of my vehicle, I could hear some raised voices. And as I walked into the main area of the parking lot, I could see these two men kind of face to face and and a lot of loud, angry words. And then I realized something. It wasn't two-sided. One person was really screaming and yelling at another person. It was kind of this, I laugh because I say this older gentleman, I think he was five years younger than me. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 a much younger gentleman. And he was going off. He was in his face screaming and, uh, you know, swearing like crazy. And you could tell the other person was just trying to kind of get, get away. Yeah. And, uh, it's just my nature. I, I walked right over there. I stood between them and, and I just said, well, it's over. Just let it go. This guy's walking away and, and the angry person was not having it. He was screaming and he cut me off and, so what had apparently happened is the younger guy had cut off the older guy, pulled into Walmart to go to the store, and the older gentleman followed him in, was just filled with rage. Wow. He was full-on rage, out of his head. You know, people were looking and stopping, and uh, no matter what had happened, nobody was listening to anything because he was just so far gone. And uh, he was being extremely aggressive and threatening. Uh, then he started threatening me. And of course, uh, here's this younger guy, probably in his late 20s, that is just trying to go into the store and walk mm-hmm. away from this. So as uh, this is happening, the first thing is I realized is I was super calm. And as I looked at him, I was somehow able to perceive that though all I was seeing was rage, that this rage had stemmed from anger, which of course had stemmed from fear. He got cut off, of course scared him, that fear transferred into anger, he allowed that to grow to where by the time he was willing to chase this guy down, jump out of his car, and right there, be right in his face, threatening him to physically hurt him. And and here I was, and you know, I just turned 50. 20 years ago, I would have been a maybe an intimidating uh, specimen. (laughs) But now at 50 with thinning hair and a gray beard and uh, 35 pounds overweight, I don't think I'm very intimidating to people. But I I could see in his eyes, well, even by his own statement, he's like, well, I I don't have a problem with you. I don't want a problem with you. And that was the first calm, sensible thing he said. But it just came into it came to my mind that the reason why is because I was not afraid. Mm-hmm. I wasn't threatening him. I wasn't pushing him, or I I just was stating it as a fact. Go get in your car. It's over. Let it go. And it was that calmness I think that that had just a lot more power than his anger and his rage. 
Uh, anyways, my wife came over and she ended up walking the other gentleman in at the store while I waited for this guy to leave. And, uh, and then he took off. And it was, it was a great experience in a couple ways. Firstly, I think it's important when we feel it to, to, to stand behind or stand up for people. Whatever had happened between these two, clearly there was no reason to let this go on. Um, but mostly what it got me thinking about is this, this guy who was in this complete rage. And it made me think, of course, about parenting. Mm-hmm. I thought, how often have I, you know, had something occur? Let's just say a concern about work, finances, relationships. And you kind of push that down and you go about your daily activities. And by the time you're at the end of your day, you're exhausted from your work. You've had this this uh, splinter in your mind growing deeper and deeper. You get home and you're with your family. And the uh, one of your children do something normal that children do and you just completely lose it. All of that anger, frustration, and, and really fear are kind of brought out in our family situation. It's like we're finally at a place we can let all that out and it's it's poured out upon our family. It just made me, seeing this guy so out of sorts, made me think about the times I have completely lost my temper and been frustrated. And unfortunately, some of those times have been right in my own home mm-hmm. with the people who had nothing to do with the anger yeah. problems. And I would even say, uh, first of all, that story makes me <laughs> feel a little bit better about myself because I've had people cut me off in traffic before and I have not followed them to the parking lot. So maybe that makes me feel a little bit better about my temper. But I would add, even if even if that fear doesn't eventually manifest itself into getting angry, I think it still changes your nature. I've had this experience where I've had things happen at work that have caused stress or anxiety, and um, I do my best to kind of cover them up. And I go home and try to try to have a normal day after work. And my wife said to me one day, she said, our kids know that you're not having a good day at work. They can sense it. So even at the times where I don't get upset or lose my temper, where I'm just trying to step away or hide from this fear, it changes who I am to the point where my family members recognize that. And that was, that was a valuable lesson for me to hear because I thought my family, my wife and my children deserve the best version of me when I come home from work. And yet if I'm trying to avoid something that causes me to feel fear instead of trying to work through it or resolve I'm not giving my family the best version of me. Does that make sense? Of course it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And and it's a good point too. It's not always us losing our tempers. It could be us again trying to restrain those things but people sense it. Mm-hmm. They sense, again, you know immediately in talking and so on. If they're really sincerely happy or if they're, you know, kind of introspective or if they're upset, you'll, you know, we ask people all the time, what's wrong? Because we sense something's yeah. wrong. They don't have yeah. to tell us. And clearly we want to be in control of our emotions. But what we really want is our best version of ourselves for our family. But boy, that would be a great um, way to describe me. Most people that know me in business or in work, would they always see my best. Mm-hmm. I, and, and I feel like at the end of the day when I'm exhausted, when all of the trials are over and I'm finally at a place I can relax, 
then my family is getting what's left. Right. So everyone else gets the best. My family gets what's left. There's got to be a way to shift and change this. I think that's what we kind of want to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, to, to, to be fair to you, I think we always judge ourselves more harshly than we judge other people for that exact reason. Uh, we see everything, the good and the bad, and, and we see the best of other people, and we think, wow, they've got it together. Joe's got it together, and here I am struggling. I wish I could be like Joe. And you might be saying the same thing about me. For sure. Because... Maybe we're too, uh, we feel too vulnerable if we share the worst with people, so we only show them the best. Yet, I think our families are the ones who deserve, deserve that the most from us. Yeah. So I, I think the place to start is, is where, you know, where does this come from? I would say nine times out of ten, it comes from fear. Mm -hmm. Fear is the battle we face in many parts of our lives. So, we can just accept that reality. There's a lot of fears that we're, we're being faced with. And what do we do? So let's just give one example. So let's say the fear, I mean, right now, a lot of people are having the best years of their life in business. Some people are having the worst when many businesses have been shut down. Um, a lot of small business owners have been hurt. A lot of people are struggling to get employees for their business. And so there could be a lot of fear, right? And if as a, as a husband, as a father, you know, you want to be a provider. It's within our natures mm -hmm. and our desire to provide. And when you have a fear of that and you, you deal with that fear all day at work, you know, you know, what's going to happen if I, if my business fails, what's going to happen if I can't make my mortgage payment, what's going to happen if I don't have enough money for groceries this week, whatever that fear is. You can imagine after suppressing that, like just pushing it down, pushing it down, and then you get home and face your family where that's the real concern is them. It would be easy to see how that fear would spill out into impatience and anger and a lot of, do you know what I do for you? And, you know, all day I give for you. Uh, so how do we how do we break this cycle? Um, one great way I was taught uh, by a great mentor was to answer the question. So one of the first ways to, I have found to get rid of those fears and not give them more power is to answer the question. It doesn't have to be the solution or the full answer. It just has to be an answer to a question. Your mind is asking a question. Answer the question. For example, what, what happens if I lose my job? Right? That's the fear. Well, answer the question to yourself. Well, I'll get another job. And immediately you will experience a relief from that fear and pressure. And you can try that. It has to be a real answer, but answer the question. I have found that to be one very effective and quick way. If I can recognize that the fear is the problem and I can recognize the question, now I've trained myself to say, answer the question. And that's one tool I've used that helps. Yeah, and I feel like you could even use that to... You can use that to say, okay, this, this fear has guided me to the answer to my question. Now this fear is no longer necessary. Almost like you, uh, it, it, it served its purpose. It's over. We can move on because now I know uh, the answer to the question. But one thing that I'll add that, that works for me, um, and I'll start preface it by saying the danger with fear to me is it creates evidence of something that isn't real, something that's not true. And I'll use this example. My children yesterday, I have two boys that 
we're fighting constantly. I, I like to use the analogy of beta fish. I feel like if my kids were in the same room where they could see each other, they were going to fight oh, to the death. Only one will survive. <laughs> Can't and, have beta fish together. Um, yeah, and it, it felt like my wife and I were just constantly being the referees, keeping our kids in their separate corners. And I noticed as the day went on, my way of handling the fighting, I was getting more and more upset with my kids because I just was dealing it, dealing with it for, to me, what seemed like all day. And where the fear kicked in, as I've thought about this, I thought, so when my second son was born, shortly after he was born, I had a very clear and distinct spiritual impression that my two boys were in each other's lives to be best friends with each other, to be each other's protectors. And that was a powerful experience for me because it was it was a fear that I had with my older son. And it was a very comforting realization for me. And when I see my kids not getting along, I think, okay, are, are my kids going to grow up and be these adults that hate each other and refuse to talk to each other? Or was am I doing something to mess up this scenario that I that I felt so clearly about and so I start to believe those things I start to believe man my kids are just going to continue to fight and they're never going to stop fighting even though in my own life I have the reality I have the evidence that that's not the case I have two brothers when we were kids we fought constantly in fact in talking to my mother she says she had the same conversation with with her friend or she'd say, are my kids ever going to get along? Because it <laughs> seems like they always just fight. Yeah. And now uh, my brother, my siblings and I, we have a great relationship. And we can spend time together. We do spend a lot of time together. And we don't ever fight. And, and we have powerful bond, a powerful bond that's grown as we've matured. And so the reality is, is that boys fight. Siblings fight. Not even just boys, but siblings fight with each other. And they and, get over it. And they get over it and they deal with it. And that causes me to forget about the times that my my children do get along beautifully. And their relationship is one of joy and of respect and of kindness and of love. And I focus on the thing that is not true, which I've created in my mind out of fear. That is, my kids are going to grow up never getting along. And it causes me to get angry. So I I like talking to people who have experienced what I've experienced. Because then I can say, hey, I'm grateful that my mom went through the exact same thing, wondering if her kids would ever stop fighting. And yet, here we are, a pretty happy family that we get along pretty well. Yeah, well, that's, a, again, it's important to understand that fear brings, again, lies. And to recognize a lie when you see it. And how do you know a lie? By recognizing the truth, right? Mm-hmm. The truth, the lie is... My kids are fighting. They'll always fight. They'll never take care of each other. The truth is kids fight in every family and families see their way through those things and and sometimes even build stronger relationships because of that. And you'll see that in families. I find even people with very dysfunctional families that they are fierce for each other. Right. Like they're fierce to each other, but then they're fierce (laughs) to protect each other. And it just is sometimes the nature of that uh, dichotomy. But the reality is fear is driving us. So imagine if we focus on the fear. Instead of looking for the truth, we look at the fear. So now imagine instead of just you worrying about that and it affecting your behavior and how you treat your children, you start projecting that fear on them. I think of many times when I've looked at my kids, 
who are fighting or one who maybe is bullying another. And I say, you know, friends don't last that long. Families are forever. And you might be, the things you're doing might not make your brother not want to be your friend when you get older. See, why would I want to project that out there instead of, hey, friends fight and they get through it. That's why mm-hmm. they're friends. Or, or families have disagreements and struggles even for years sometimes, but because they're family, they're always together. See, that's truth. And I could be promoting that truth if I take the time to say, this is a fear, this is irrational, this isn't true, and replace that with truth. So that's another great um, way to, to battle, right? One, answer the question. Number two, when your fear, let's say your fear's got a little out of control, right? So you've been worrying and worrying for weeks, maybe months, about some issue, and it's always on your mind, and you haven't found a way to express that. So you're exploding now. You're that fear has turned to anger and maybe even now to rage. And, and you've got this cycle where you're, that's being released in a place that is safe to you, which is your own. You can't release it at work. You can't release it, release it with clients or strangers. So you release it when you get home. So uh, again, another good mentor, he, what he described is taking time on his way home from work to stop, go out into a place where he's all by himself and just like full on letting that rage out. He's like, if anyone drove by and saw me out in the middle of some field screaming, and he said uh, they would think he's crazy, but the reality, at least it got out of him. He released it. And, and by the time he got home, he was very much fine and, and content. So that would be another tool is just find a place. I've heard of people filling up a sink of water and screaming into it. I've, I've heard of people doing that. However works best for you. They actually have right here where we live something called the Rage Room. Yep. And you can just go break stuff, which I think is fascinating. But I've heard could be therapeutic. So, again, the idea would be if it's if fear has gone to that point of anger and even to rage, find a good, safe, constructive way to let that energy come out of you so it doesn't come out at inopportune times mm-hmm. on the people you care and love most about. And I think we've said this before, and I think it would even be valuable to say it here, that if, if there is that point where you feel like it is out of control, you know, there are professionals that can help people understand it and help people deal with it so that it is more in control. So if you feel like your anger or frustration is getting to a point of loss of control, I think that's another valuable resource that is paid more attention to now, and that's the help of professional counselors or therapists that can help help us understand and deal with that. Absolutely. So I think this is a good time, Taylor, to remind everyone, all of our listens, listeners and ourselves, that if we've just perfectly described the struggle that you're dealing with, with fear, anger, or rage, or, or maybe you feel like you're way worse off, beating yourself up over this is no solution. The reality is we would hope that just as we're finding some tools that help us manage this and recognizing it, this can bring hope. To someone who feels like this is an unending cycle in their life, there's hope. There's ways to manage fear. And, and even better than just managing the fear, how do we get rid of the fear? And, and that's through its opposite, which is faith. Mm-hmm. Faith and fear cannot reside in the same mind at the same time. So the best proactive way to rid ourselves from fear is to seek to increase our faith 
and there would be multiple ways that different people would increase faith. Yeah, and I think you're exactly right. Faith is the powerful tool in, in, in becoming the person, the parent, the spouse that we want to be, because it does. The result of faith is so positive, so encouraging, and you're right, it is the exact opposite of fear. And uh, it's definitely the way that I'd rather live my life as a father, is is having faith in the out in, in an expected outcome as opposed to fear of something that brings dread into my life. Yeah, but you know, it's funny as you've mentioned the similarities between the two. You know, fear starts painting some unrealistic picture, right? We're kind of drawing this terrible image that's going to come if we don't change things. Uh, faith is similar in some ways in the fact that we're painting a picture that hasn't yet occurred, but it's the picture we desire. Yeah. Well, if we're painting a picture of the future in either way for our fears and our, our worst things to come to pass, why not just spend some time and energy painting the picture we desire? I think one of the first places in parenting to start uh, to increase your faith is to create an image of what you would like your parenting to look like. What would you, in your wildest dreams, what would your best case scenario be like? For me, it would be a situation where I have a great relationship, that they trust me, that they look at me as a source of, of love, of strength, of protection, of support, of wisdom. And so if I can imagine that reality where my kids are coming to me with their struggles, their problems, and I'm, I'm teaching and helping and strengthening them and we're enjoying our time together, Whatever that looks like for you, start there. It, visualize it. It may take some work. Um, write it down. Actually write down and start to learn that idea of what you want. I have found this practice to be transformative in my life, to start painting the picture of the life I desire. And it, it does take some time and practice, like anything worthwhile. But th that is one way to increase in faith and to decrease fear. And I would add for me that that image of the person I want to be is someone who recognizes fear. Because I think that's important to to note here is that as we talk about this, I don't think for me fear is going to just disappear from my life. But another one of those lies that I tell myself when I feel fear is that I'm not a person of faith because in the moment I'm feeling fear. So I'm, I'm motivated to be the person that can recognize fear, learn how to manage it, and get rid of it and move forward with faith. So if you're listening and you're that person and you feel like, well, I'm feeling fear, I must not be a very, a very faithful person, just remember that's not true either. It's another lie that's designed to keep you in fear. Uh, but in reality, we have the power and ability to overcome it. I couldn't agree more. Fear will always be a part of our life. We just want to have it be less of a part of our life. Right. So exactly. thank you. That's a great point. Too. Well, Joe, as usual, I am walking away from this conversation feeling extremely motivated about my opportunities as a father, my relationship with my kids. So thank you very much. And we'd like to thank everyone so much for listening to our podcast. And we really hope that you have found something in this conversation that has helped you just like it's helped us. And if you feel like if you're inspired by our, our podcast and you feel like you know someone that would benefit from listening to it, we would be so grateful if you would uh, share that with them. 
And please remember to subscribe to our podcast. That way you uh, get the new episodes as soon as they uh, come out. And, and we thank you so much for, for listening and sharing our podcast. Have a great day. We are so glad you could join in on the podcast, Fatherhood, Perspectives on Righteous, Intentional Parenting. You can find us on all the best podcast sites. Please subscribe and share. And be a part of the conversation by sharing your ideas, posing questions, and making suggestions. Drop us a line at fatherhoodperspectives at gmail.com. That's one word, fatherhoodperspectives at gmail.com. This segment was recorded and engineered by Jim Fugate. The music for this podcast was provided by thepodcasthost.com and Alitu, the podcast maker. Find your own free music over at thepodcasthost.com slash free music.